Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for your love, Jesus. Grateful that you will climb any mountain for us. That your love never fails. That your mercies are new each and every day. Grateful that you brought us together as a body. Grateful that you continually draw us to you. Even when we really don't want to, Lord. Lord, I pray the words that I share are from you. My mind is unprofitable, but your spirit, your spirit gives life. So life all the year with your word, because your word will not proceed without void. With, with void, your word will always return profitable. So our confidence is in you. We bow before no one else. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today we'll be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please get your Bibles out. There are a lot of scriptures we're going to go through. And uh, we've had a little bit of technical difficulties, so they weren't able to get all of them out there. Um, we'll start with verses 1 to 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, therefore, I make known to you that no one, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a start. Okay, so chapter 12 is the beginning of the discussion on spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, 13, and 14. And we've talked before all about how the body is supposed to be like together. And we talked about how we're to consider one another, to not just act with the freedom we've given in Christ in a way that's selfish, but to consider the needs of others greater than ourselves and to work in one accord. And so... There's a mindfulness that Paul's trying to let people know. And he comes in here powerfully saying, Look, I don't want you to be stupid here. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware of what's going on. We are carried away by dumb idols. That's us. Chasing after things of the world, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's fame, whether it's security. Dumb idols. Somehow when I read that, I was like, did he actually say that in Scripture? But yes, he did. Dumb. Okay? Dumb idols. But he says, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. A lot of people take the name of Jesus in vain. They curse it. They say, you know, they actually use the name like it's as if it's a cursed word. His name is not accursed. And when we speak it, like we've shared in worship, we speak it reverentially. The Holy Spirit leads us to that. That's how the power of the Spirit, it always lifts Jesus up. Okay? The Holy Spirit, okay, 
is the one that says, Jesus Lord. So look at John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus talking about himself. The Spirit testifies of Jesus. Jesus pointed towards the Father. The Spirit points us towards Jesus. And next in John 16, 14, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So as Jesus said, I am here to glorify the Father. The Spirit comes, glorifies Jesus. The problem we have is we think that means the Spirit is not holy God, and that's not true. The Spirit is holy God. But realizing that we talked about before in relationship about authority, okay? They took the role, as Jesus did, humbled himself. The Spirit also humbly serves. Tries to bring no attention to itself. That's why you don't hear a lot about it in the same thing. Because the, the purpose of the Spirit is not to bring a claim to itself. The purpose of the Spirit is to act in a way to bring unity. And the reflection of the body is a reflection of the Spirit, or the power and the movement of Spirit in the body. So, we can trust, therefore, that the true ministry of the Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus. This is important. We can trust the true ministry of the Holy Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus. So let's go further into verses 4 to 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. You know, a lot of people who don't believe in the Trinity, you know, they say, well, it doesn't say the word Trinity in the Bible. It doesn't. It does say baptism by the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here, look at it. Look how Paul, in everything he speaks, it makes it, for him, it's self-evident. It talks about the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Over and over, you're going to see in the New Testament, it points to the three. Okay? And so there are one accord. Okay? And, in the, and when it talks about that in terms of gifts, it actually uses the word spirituals. We understand it to mean gifts, but the word is spiritual. So there is no gift unless it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is not a talent. This is not a skill. Okay? It is spiritual. It's only empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not something that comes by your own nature, by your own skill set. You'll see people who are very talented and skilled, and then God gets a hold of them, and you think, oh, wow, they've got all this talent. They're clearly gifted by God to help here. And that's a misnomer. We couldn't call it gifted. They may be talented. They may have some skills that God can use, but it's not spiritual, i.e. not empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is a divine enablement. Okay? So I want you to get that and to have some sense of what that looks like. Because when it's a divine enablement, when you're operating in the spiritual gifts, it has power and it gives life. And it always, it always edifies the body and points to Jesus. 
always edifies the body and points to Jesus. It's not about tooting our own horn. It's not about making ourselves look good. It always edifies the body. So your spiritual gifts are not for you. They're not for me. They're for the body. Always glorifying God. So when you're seeing those things, you have, that's the way you have to look at to say, okay, this is a spiritual gift. So, they use the word, the Greek word is energimata for activities, where we get energy from, okay? So, it is powerful. That's why I use the word power, okay? It's working. The spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit, is not passive. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit is not a passive agent. Okay? He is working. We don't talk about it enough in church about the power of the Spirit. This church more than many. But the Holy Spirit is working all the time. Jesus is one place. He came as one in one. Now he's with the Father. He's omnipresent as the Father is. But the Holy Spirit is here, descended to earth as the active participant with us to help us to walk. That's what we say, walk in the Spirit. To help us walk with Jesus, walk with the Father, to walk as Christians are supposed to do. So when we're looking at what do we need to do to enable us, and when we cry out to God, in essence we're crying out for God through the Holy Spirit to enable us. Okay, let's move on to verses 7 to 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He, as the Spirit wills. So there's a lot there. These are the gifts when they talk about in terms of the miraculous gifts or the sign gifts. Okay, so when they talk about at the beginning it says, as a the given to each one for the profit of all. Paul's making it very clear. It's for the benefit of the whole body. Then he goes on and says the word of wisdom. And there are different aspects that you can see what wisdom means. I'm going to touch base a little bit on some of the explanations of spiritual gifts. It's a whole different long um, teaching on the whole thing. And there's lots of Ephesians as well about it. But you get to get an idea of acts of wisdom when you get to hear Stephen speak in Acts chapter 7, Paul in Acts chapter 23, okay? And you see the wisdom of God in an important situation, okay? And it's basically the divine understanding to be able to communicate a message. You've seen that when you've had counselors, when they come and say something, you're like, where did that come from? Oh, that's the right thing to say. Okay? That's God's enablement. It's not something that comes natural to them. The next one of word of knowledge. 
is the ability, unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew chapter 17. Paul in Acts 27.10, um, he says, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ships, but also our lives. So remember that he was on that trip, okay, to Rome, and he said, okay, we're going to go in trouble, so we need to, we need to do this. And that was the Holy Spirit giving him divine knowledge. Holy Spirit gives many of us at different times divine knowledge when they tell us, okay, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. Paul was told not to go to Asia, to go somewhere else for ministering. He was called. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, but also he was earnestly seeking God and seeking wisdom and seeking knowledge and understanding. So wisdom and knowledge are kind of interconnected. The next one they talk about to another Faith. Many in the church have faith. Faith, what, what does Hebrews say faith is? Faith, evidence of things not seen. That's right. And I've shared this before. Something humans have that angels don't have is faith. Angels have no faith because they see. You don't see. You trust in faith. And God richly Reward those who seek him earnestly in faith. He desires that. It shows. It shows faith. Abraham had that faith to trust that God's going to take care of him. Those who are doing the study in pursuit of God get know what I'm talking about. There was faith. You know, Peter had initially that faith to step out on the boat. Okay, there's faith. Call me out. I'll come. There's faith to trust that God's going to provide. There's faith that pastor and his wife to start this church. That was faith, trusting that God's going to provide. We as a body are going to go through a stage when we look at our budget where God's going to call us to a deeper level of faith. Okay? Because our support's less, we're not in trouble. We've shared about it with some of you. But God's going to say, okay, you know, looking at the numbers and the common sense, we're not sure how it's going to all even out. And then there's a natural on the flesh that you can hunker down. There's the other part in spirit. Trust, okay, God, we can't go forward without you. We can't go forward without you. How many churches really say that? That's something that God's calling us to a deeper level. Individually, you see that in your lives, with your jobs. We saw that with one of our board members who lost his job. I just heard about that today. And a great timely message last night that spoke to him. That's right from our study on Pursuit of God. So we're doing all this study. Ken does this devotion. It's exactly what Sean needed to hear. And this all happened today. This is all God planning it out, trusting that we can walk in faith. And there's no question what the Lord's doing with our body. He's going to ask us for a deeper level of faith and trust. Not to rely on our own understanding. Um, people have talked, and it's kind of interesting because I had that quote Frank mentioned earlier. Um, George Mueller, who you may be aware of, was in London in the late um, 1800s, and he had this huge orphanage. And he was a man who never asked for support. And he fed hundreds and hundreds of orphanages, of orphans at the orphanage. One time, didn't have enough milk and the milk cart just broke right outside the orphanage. 
Baker baked extra bread, and bread was made available. He operated completely in faith. You get to see missionaries who go around the world who can completely trust that God's going to provide. Sometimes we have become so self-sufficient where we trust in ourselves that we don't ask God in faith. The next one he mentions is the gift of healings. So, gift of healings can be two versions. You can receive healing as a gift, or you are the vehicle where your healing is done through. One thing to appreciate, we don't see that very evidently here in the West. And I think a main reason be because that is we don't have faith. You cannot have healings without faith. Those who are intimately related. So the, to have the gift of healing, it doesn't happen without faith. They partner together. You have to have faith first. When you're in other countries around the world, I hear stories. People are healed left, right, and center right now. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus said we'll have the power to do that, greater things. And so that's available. I don't know how to do it. We're not supposed to know in our own understanding. It is a faith. So what's God's calling is not, oh, how do I figure this out? We can't figure it out. Okay? We can't figure it out. We're not supposed to figure it out. We're supposed to say, God, I really, really believe you. I trust and I'm going to depend. And so the challenge and the hard part for us and for me is sometimes healing doesn't happen the way we want to. I saw that personally with my wife. We prayed and some chemotherapy drug became available. For a while, there was... It was a huge thing. There was, there was great benefit. But then, you know, she eventually, she did die from her breast cancer. Even though the drug was made available, we didn't think what happened. It, everything just kind of worked out. It was like amazing how that happened. And I believe it was God's provision in that. There was a time of healing. And I know that she's now completely healed where she is in heaven. That's where we would be only truly healed. Okay? But for the Lord's understanding that I don't know she was not healed here on this earth. It grieved me then. It still grieves me now. But I really believe God knows what's best. And I really believe that He's good. And I believe it's not in what we think or know, but it's in trusting Him that He promises to work to good for all those who love and are called according to His purpose. So, healing only happens with gift of faith. The other part is, the Greek word is dynamite, where we get the word dynamo. It's actually miracles, power, acts of power. And you may have heard of things in terms of miracles, events that have happened. People in other, and like healings, it's a miraculous sign gift. There are events that have happened here. People have been involved in revivals and things where there's power. Again, it's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to go based on a modern man or even postmodern man to understand that. But it definitely happens around the world. And the opportunity for us is praying in faith, trusting God to do it as He chooses for His glory. What's the purpose of miracles? Always to bring people to Christ. What's the purpose of healings? Always to point to Christ. Okay? So that's the key. When we look at those things, we still think of itself as I want to see the miracles, but I want to see something amazing. Or I want the healing because hey, I want the healing. I want to be. I don't want to be hurting. I don't want to be suffering. God asks, "Is it going to point towards Christ?" 
Acts 14, 8-10. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Okay? So he was never able to walk. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed, observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he left and walked. So the man had faith, and Paul had faith. Both did, and the gift of healing was exercised. Nothing special. He just said, Stand up, made a declaration. So that is miracles, and that is healing, all wrapped in one, and faith. I'm going to move to the next one. It talks about prophecy. The telling forth of God's message in a particular situation, always in accordance with His Word and His current work. And often has the character of foretelling the future. Look at Acts chapter 21, 10 to 11. As we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Agabus had prophecy. We sometimes, you'll hear different commentators talk about the gift of prophecy means preaching. The, he, the Greek word here is propheteo, which actually means foretelling of things of future. There is two other words in Greek. One is caruso. You may have seen that in the, some of the shirts. Caruso means being a herald or proclaiming the truth or proclaiming the, go- the gospel. We're all called to... Caruso. We're all called to proclaim the gospel. Okay? And there are definitely those in the pulpit who do so. Kirjima really means like a homily or a sermon or a message, which is another Greek word in the New Testament. But here, it talks about spirit-anointed prophecy. Okay? And when you look at that, the part of the prophecy, gift of prophecy, you have to realize, what did it say in Deuteronomy? In Deuteronomy... 1820 to 22. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak or speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know that the word which the Lord has not spoken, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously you shall not be afraid of him. So what it's saying is, how do you tell whether something is a a prophet? Does it come true or not? Okay, does it come true? And so a lot of people make predictions. They tell about what's going to happen. There are different evangelists who said that this is going to happen at this time, and they're not true. We need to be very circumspect. We need to be very cautious about that. It's not something that should be taken lightly. It's not something we should be saying, nor anybody we should be saying willy-nilly. It has to be a clear burden from the Lord that they're communicating that. Because if you're wrong, in the Old Testament, they stone them. Now, we don't do that now, but the point that we now know is 
They're not speaking of God by definition. Now, the next one they're going to talk about is the discerning of spirits. So this is the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine, but more importantly, to tell whether or not this is of the Holy Spirit or not. Okay? Whether the event that happened, the gift that's done, whether what was done was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and, and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Now you're looking going, wait, wait, let me, let me look at this again. The girl basically tells the truth. Right? These men are the servants of the Most God High, which is true. And they're proclaiming us the way of salvation, which is true. Those are true statements. They're not false in any way. And what did Paul say? Wrong spirit. So you can have somebody speak true statements, wrong spirit. We don't get that. That's very important. True statements, wrong spirit. I want us to get that. There are, we're going to see false teachers at the time, and you'll see many of them. They will have... They will say things that are true. And you go, oh, yeah, they said that's true. Yeah, I checked here in the Bible, that's true. Yes, it's true. But it's the wrong spirit. We need to really discern that. So we're all called to discern, and there are others within the body who have that gift who can say, yeah, that's the wrong spirit. And we need to be able to listen to that for our own benefit. And they share that for our benefit. That's why they, God has given them that gift. So just because it's true does not mean it's the right spirit. Paul recognized that. He could see that. He called out the Spirit of her. Needless to say, the owners were pretty ticked. And they went after Paul and ran him out of the city. Okay? You have to also re realize, and this is about our enemy, Satan appears as an angel of light. You'll see that in 2 Corinthians 11.14. You know what he did in the Garden of Eden? He deceives with a false tempting message. There can be lying spirits in the mouth of prophets. And, and look at Matthew 16, 23. Everybody knows this. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He's talking to Peter. This is just after Peter said, You're the son of the God most high. He spoke the truth. He said, That didn't come from you. That came from God. And then right after that, when Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified, Peter says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. He says, get behind me, Satan. So that enemy can affect any one of us and influence. 
those, particularly those. Well, Peter at that time did not have the Holy Spirit in him, so he wasn't protected that way. But he was still right there with Jesus. So we have to be very careful on guard that one moment it could be light, and the next moment there could be darkness. Okay? Not to be paranoid about it, not to be stuck in your head about it, but just to be mindful. Just because something before was true and was beautiful doesn't mean what follows after that is automatically true and beautiful. Um, 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. But this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. We're going to see that more and more. People are going to talk about a different kind of Jesus. He's a good teacher. He wasn't really the Son of God. He loves everybody. Everybody gets to go to heaven, except maybe Hitler and Stalin. And we're going to hear numerous false teachers saying what they think Jesus loves. Jesus is love. He doesn't judge anybody. And he accepts everybody just the way it is. He is. He does love everybody in spite of the way they are. Not just because of the way they are. Okay? He loves them in spite of what they are because of who he is. Not because they by nature are lovable. That's because he loves and we have to get that. So when they're saying test and spirit, as what's happening in the church, with you know, we've heard from the pulpit many times, what's happening now? We're coming closer and closer to the end times. When that's going to happen, I don't know. I know every generation believes that. But there are a lot more signs now with what's happening in the world. And as the world's changing so rapidly, literally in the last 10 years, it's, to me it's almost unrecognizable to know what's going on in our country. Okay? And the rate of change seems to be accelerating, literally, like bewildering speed. And it talks about that. So, I don't know what that looks, but I am saying there's no accident that we're trying to learn about these gifts to understand. And we're going to have to be really united as a body and sensitive to know what's going to happen, to know, discern that which is true and that which is not. And to be able to test every spirit. Um, the next one I'm going to read is the gift of tongues. So I like what it's written here. The personal language of prayer given by God, whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. Beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. Okay? Language is an agreement between parties where it is agreed that certain sounds represent certain objects or ideas. When using the gift of tongues, we agree with God that as the Holy Spirit prays through us, that we may not understand what we are praying. God does. Okay? I love how that's done. So, we don't always understand it. Now, we are a church that believes in all the gifts have not died, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. We believe that all the gifts are present, including that. Some interpret gift of tongues mean speaking other languages, and there's no question at the time of um, um, 
in the book of Acts, yes, when the Holy Spirit first came. Um, I'm going blank. What's that? Yeah, Pentecost. Duh. Thank you. When Pentecost, they spoke in different languages people understood. Now, what we don't know is whether others spoke another languages that people didn't understand. Somebody could have spoken Aztec and nobody Aztec was there, or somebody could have spoken another language we don't know. Okay, we don't know all the languages in the world. Okay, and I don't know anybody here who knows much more than a couple. point that I'm saying is God knows. He knows every single tongue, every single utterance of everybody in all time and all history. Okay? And when we're doing it, we're basically releasing and trusting God. And the purpose of the gift of tongues is to edify the believer, the individual. And then we'll talk about that, okay? It is not the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when, you're, when God's got a hold of you, the point of salvation. Now, by speaking, one of the things, or there's no question... One of the reasons why I do is the Holy Spirit flows more through me when I do. When I'm sitting in my chair and my mind's going at a thousand miles an hour and I'm wondering how I'm going to be up here being able to share and I'm going, I don't even know where I'm going to start. And then I spend a few moments praying quietly to myself in tongues and then I get this peace from God that says, you don't have to worry. I've got this. I go, okay. I trust you. I trust that you're going to be there when we need you, when I need you. I, when I'm speaking, we, when you need to hear what's happening. When I need to hear what's happening. It's a revelation to me as much as it is to you. That's the crazy thing about the message. Um, so, there's no. we also believe that when it's practiced in the corporate life of the church, it has to be controlled. Okay? It can't be crazy because people who are who aren't believers come in, they're going to think, what the heck is going on here? Okay, so it has to be controlled when we do that and should be given with interpretation of, the, of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And we do believe that. Now, within those within the body itself that are core believers and messages, and when we have that freedom and unity of the Spirit, we may not always have interpretation. If there's a problem, please let us know. The reason we do that is there's a trust in a, in, when you're in the family, so to speak, that we can be able to communicate that and know that individual is having a personal time with the Lord and allow them to do that. doesn't mean that every time it's done, but we need to be very careful in the areas that we do that, particularly when we have people who are not part of the body. So one of the things I'm going to talk about is you'll hear from some people, particularly those from a... I would call it reformed background, but really cessationist background. Um, and they they will talk about the strange fire, charismania. There are different terms they use about what's happening with those who speak in tongues. And they will say, well, these sign gifts of gifts of healing, of miracles, of tongues, passed at the end of the apostolic age within the first couple of hundred years. And you'll have reformed seminaries that really will emphasize that. Okay. It died with the apostles. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10, which pastor is going to talk more about. Love never fails, but whether, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish 
away. For when we know, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, for those individuals, wow, that's a strong message. They just oh, they're going to go away. We're not going to have those. And they interpret that to mean when we got the Holy Scriptures, when we had the canon solidified, that's the perfect. We have the full message of God in that. There is no other sense of revelation. And that's the end of those gifts. Okay? So they said after the apostolic age, nobody was really doing those gifts, which is not true. Because when you look at the early church fathers of Clement, Arenas, Polycarp, they talked about those gifts. The other part is it's really not a good understanding of what perfect. It's very clear in Scripture over and over again. When it says the perfect comes is when Jesus comes at the second coming. Okay? That's perfection. Okay? There's nothing perfect until Jesus comes. Until there's a new earth, a new world, that's when perfection will come again. That's when those will cease because we'll know. Those won't be necessary. Okay? But to talk repeatedly, the gifts will, will still be there because we've empowered. Now, I, I, I really love what it talks about here. It says this, he uses an example. He says, you know, it doesn't talk about salvation will end when perfect comes. They save doing that. That salvation extends. Everything continues on in the New Testament that we believe. Anybody who says something stops or changes from that without a, an interpretation, a real good explanation, is making their own conjecture. What I'm saying is people make that interpretation because of what they want and what they're uncomfortable with. They're uncomfortable with something they don't know, and so they then derive and manipulate Scripture to get what they want. Okay? And that's an interpretation of the word perfect to say what that means. And that is not how we interpret the Bible. We use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And we need to be consistent and logically consistent. Um, interpretation of things. I'm going to talk about a couple of more things just quickly. One, yes, sir. Correct. Is evidence of that. Okay. So there is some... Right. There is some... And so, yes, thank you. So, we do. And chapter 14 will address that a little bit better, and we can talk about that a little bit more. Thank you. So... I don't want to go into a long... I will come back when we go into chapter 14 and I'll explain things better. Every believer gets the Holy Spirit. There is extra uh, anointing by God if you're earnest and seeking. And that goes with everything. But there's something special when you're really wanting to seek the Holy Spirit. It's basically the Holy Spirit speaking through you. So we just talked about the Holy Spirit is powerful and the Holy Spirit is active. Okay? Tongues is a primary vehicle of the Holy Spirit working within the individual life. 
And the more, that's when, when Melody Metz came here and she talked about how they had the strength to go three hours sleep virtually a week. It's all through continual praying in tongues. It's a power that God enables us to do so. Okay? And we'll talk more about it. And if you're interested more and have questions, I'll be able to uh, answer those questions later. I, it's a long conversation. We could do, like I said, a, a, a study series just on that. But we're going to come back to it in chapter 14. So one of the things is, I want you to appreciate, is it is God who decides which gifts any individual gets. We don't decide that. Now, we're called to seek certain things, but that's something that God decides. Why does he decide that? Because he knows what's best for the body, both for our body and also for the body as a whole. Okay, so it's really important. You may about, and we'll talk about that in Scripture. Actually, we'll come to that in a second. The part that I also want you to appreciate is giftedness is not connected to maturity. Just because somebody has a lot of spiritual gifts doesn't necessarily mean they're mature. Scripture talks about that in 1 Timothy 3. Or sorry, look at Titus chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to, to exhort and convict those who contradict. So, God in a moment can grant anybody remarkable spiritual gifts, but character and maturity takes time to build. So those of us who've gone through pure life, it takes time. You may have heard the word kibed that's used heaviness or weightiness. To have substance and character, it takes time. It takes perseverance. When I look at Pastor Jeff and Pastor Glenn who've been here, you live a life that's dedicated time and time again. There's substance that comes with a, a life that's surrendered and trusting the Lord continually. And God doesn't keep you static. Okay? It's always dynamic. You're either continually growing or you're falling away. You, you say, oh, they plateau. Really? They don't. You don't get to plateau. You don't get to plateau. What you think is a plateau really means you're just not swimming against the stream, so you're going back downstream. You're continually growing, fighting against the stream. That's how you grow. Like a salmon going back to its spawning ground, you're fighting against the flow. And the fight doesn't stop until we're in heaven. Okay, it's not a bad fight, but it is a battle. God knows it because he uses it to make us more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, then others are attracted to Jesus, that they see in us, and they come into the kingdom. And then they become more like Jesus, that others are attracted to, and they come in the kingdom. You think God would do a different way, but that's the way that he chooses to work, to multiply. And really, it is the best way because it conforms us and it makes us ready for heaven. It's not just for us here. It makes us ready for what we'll be doing in heaven. What he's doing in fasting with us is preparing us for what we'll be doing in heaven. We will be praising God. 
we'll be wanting to be with him. And as we become more and more like Jesus, we'll have more and more affinity and love for him. We'll have more joy with him. I want you to get this. The more we're like Jesus, the more joy we'll have with the Lord here and in eternity. Joy upon joy. Not to say that people won't have joy. All will have joy. But there's no question. There's different ranks of some things. And Jesus said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. There's something there. And as we get to how much he has forgiven us, we get the depths of our depravity, how much Jesus did for us, and what he continually does for us. And we truly grasp that. And we have nothing but to praise him, to be humbled before him, and the joy that he chose to take us out of that miry pit and set us on a firm foundation. And choose not just to do that, but to clean us up and make us sons and makes us heirs to the kingdom, priests before his throne. So instead of just cleaning us up and not going to hell, we get to be like in the castle, in the palace, with God, in the throne room with God. So, um, okay, let's look at this for verses 12 to 20. We're going to, you know what? We're not going to go through that. We're going to come back, and I'm going to talk about this the next time, because we're drawing close, and I want to give some time for some questions. There's other parts that we're going to talk about. The, the last few points that I want to emphasize before I complete the major first part of chapter 12 is I want to emphasize that God decides who gets which gift. He does it for the purpose of the body. And we're going to talk next time more about what that means for the body. Do you have any questions? Ministries are activities that we do. So like different ministries, one is the pastor role that we have as a church. Other may be like master provisions would be a ministry. We talk about those ministries. So God's going to give gifts to different things for different functions for different purposes. And you may have the gift of administration, but designed to be in a parachurch ministry or maybe here at a church. And you may use that in terms of ministries that you do. So he gives you the gift for a particular task that he wants to do. For his glory. Does that make sense? Any other question? Yes, James. So, so you, I don't know if you heard it. So he asked, is it wrong to pray for a specific gift? Now, Paul says desire certain things. So it's okay to desire. For example, we believe here it's okay to pray for speaking in tongues. We really believe that. Okay? Because we believe there's an empowerment that you get with that that's a blessing to the body. Empowers the individual for the blessing of the body. So a private thing, now we want it orderly, we want it that, but really, like if you're down in the, your privacy car and you get to talk to God and you're worshiping and then you don't even know what to say and then it just comes out of you, that's okay. We really believe that's very good. It's okay to desire that and ask for that. And we've had meetings to talk about that. You can desire other things. What you have to do, though, is you have to still hold on to it lightly. So you can say, God, I'd like to have that, but be content with what God has given you. 
if you're desiring those things, you go, how come I'm not the preacher? I want to be the preacher. How come I'm not that? How come he did that? And that's your attitude? Then that's the wrong attitude to have, and that's not of the Spirit. Your desire needs to be, why do you desire those gifts? Or is it for yourself? Or is it for the body? We may need, we desire to have somebody to administer, be administrator in the body. Josh stepped into that role to do that, as a blessing to that. That was a gifting that God has given him with that. We desire to have people who do certain things. And so God may see the need of the body and equip somebody to have that. So it's okay to desire those things that the body needs. So if you go, we don't have this gift in this body exercised, I'm God, please grant me or use me or anybody you choose to have this gift so that the body can be richly blessed with it, that's appropriate. Very appropriate. Again, the focus is external for the benefit of others, not selfish. That's the hardest part for us. Most of the time when we desire things, we're focused on ourselves. I want to be up front of everybody. I want the status. I want the acclaim. I want the appreciation. I don't mind God getting his glory. He can have 90% of it. I just want 10%. Just want my take. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So, Chris said something really good, and, you know, I've taught about spiritual gifts for some time and given spiritual gift inventories. You take it home. You hand three copies to three different people who tell you what they think. Then you combine, and then we kind of... What? I agree. I agree. I agree. I get to that point. He's exactly right. All that figuring is based on human intellect. Okay? Human understanding. We're going to figure it out. Okay? That is nonsense. Pastor is exactly correct. It will be evident in the body. Okay? We'll know because if you have a spiritual gift, I am life by your gift. You can tell by the other. So it does affect other people in the body. Your gifting will affect other people in the body and they'll know because they've been blessed richly by your gifting. And these gifts, I mean, they're, they're some describe them separately, a little bit different. Um, some of them interconnectedly, depending on how you interpret it. I don't want to get bogged down about those details. This, the intent is the gifts are dis- given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit decides who gets them. It's always to bless others within the body. The body will let you know what it is. And so it's also incumbent on us, when you've been blessed by somebody's gift, to let them know, hey, thank you for led- exhorting me. Thank you for your faith. That encourages me. Thank you for your giving. That's blessed me. Thank you for that word that has helped me figure things out and be a blessing. And when we speak that and acknowledge it, it affirms the individual exercising the gift to going, yeah, that was that. Oh, that didn't come from me. Like, I don't know where that came from. And that happens. And that's where God gives and equips you for that. Because you're like, where did that come from? That's how the Holy Spirit, sometimes you don't even know where it came from. And you're just as surprised that it's happening as, as they are. Pastor will tell you that. I listen to the messages, sometimes I go, I need to listen to that message. The one that I shared, because I need to pay attention. <laughs> and those who've been up there, you know that's so, because there's some things that God wants us to learn. There's no time that we're not up here where God doesn't have something for us to learn. Much to learn much to become more like Christ because we have voices to go. Any other questions?